Hello and welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and AD Drew here, live and direct. <laughs> uh, good to be on with you, Drew. How you doing, my friend? Happy Palindrome Week to you, my brother. I know it's been a little bit of a somber Palindrome Week for you, but uh, you know it, it's been pretty good for me. And for those who do not know what Palindrome Week is, first of all, do you know what Palindrome Week is, Brian? I discovered it uh, at 2.22 uh, p.m. on February 22nd, earlier this week. That's about it. That's all I know. I, I don't know anything right. else. I made a all wish. Right. That's about all I did. <laughs> but those who you know, know what you're supposed to do? I, I, I see you asked me too many questions right now. All right. But those who all do right. not know That's what right. palindrome week is, that is, the, that is when something is written forward and backwards and it's the same thing. So if you have written the date this week, the short version of the date, today being 22722 22722. 22722. Tomorrow is the last last day of Palindrome week and we will not see another one of these in our lifetimes, my brother. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you but if you include the whole year, then that obviously doesn't count. Right. I mean, if you included 2022, it wouldn't count, basically. Two, two right. zero, two, two, no. No. But no, see, okay. that's still not right. a palindrome because it's two zero, two, two. 2020 was a palindrome year. Oh, Jesus. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I got to move on. 22822 will be your last day. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to make people do math here, and nobody wants to do math uh, at this point. We're here for a good time, not a long time, talking about uh, what's been going on the past week in the HBCU sports landscape. Uh, before we get going, though, I want to thank everybody for out, uh, watching out there. If you're on uh, YouTube or Facebook, make sure you hit that like button on whichever uh, streaming platform you're watching us. And if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, please make sure you're subscribed to that Jericho Broadcast Network's page so you'll make sure you get the notifications. And also, hopefully, you're a part of our Facebook pages, not only the BCSN, but also our Sports Wrap page as well. And then uh, please make sure to go download that Jericho Broadcast Network's app right there in the top right if you're watching us, Google or Apple Play Store. My JBN, my BCSN is how you can search and find us. And you're probably already following us, <clears throat> excuse me, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But if you're not, 
go ahead and help us out. Any 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 chance you get to help us with the uh, algorithms, <clears throat> it's greatly appreciated. And any shares and uh, mentions, you know, we we want to hear from you as well. So we got a busy week, man. It's uh, not only basketball seasons. We've got conference tournaments. We've got champions being crowned on the uh, on the basketball circuit as the CIAA champions were crowned. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Lincoln, PA, the Lady Lions with a 67-52 win over Elizabeth City State. Uh, that was a matchup of one versus two on the women's side of the bracket. And uh, coming up a little bit later in the show, uh, we got an interview scheduled with Coach Janice Washington of Lincoln. So you'll want to make sure to stay tuned to uh, to hear from Coach Washington, uh, who's in her first year. Uh, amazing run. I mean, she had a uh, veteran squad, but amazing run. And so you get a chance to hear from her. And on the men's side, they also had a one versus two matchup. Fayetteville State completed the the job. They left one. They left one out there last year. Right? I shouldn't say last year. Two years ago, when they uh, they they lost on a pair of free throws to Winston Salem State a couple of years ago, and but they managed to get back as the one seed, and they held off Virginia Union, who was the two seed, 65-62. So congrats. And, and Drew, you know, the scary part is when you start hearing statistics like it's their first win since 1973, I start going, whoa, that's like my lifetime. That made, I just felt yeah, old. I, right I was then. born in 1972. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just felt really old. I wasn't 73, but I was close to it. And I feel really old hearing that it's been that long. It's been my lifetime practically since Fayetteville State last one the CIAA so congratulations to the Lions and Broncos for getting it done uh also we got an interview coming up a little bit later with Florida Memorial University head coach Anser Alameen the FMU Lions after shocking the Sun Conference world by knocking off the one seed in the semifinals go double overtime with a 118-115 win to win the Sun Conference and advance to the NAIA tournament. So uh, Drew's going to be, we'll be talking to Coach Alameen a little bit later, of course. You know, we had a couple of good years there where we were uh, really in, uh, really close to the program and got a chance to know him and know the program. So really excited for the folks over at FMU to get that done. Um as uh, young man Corey Benton was the MVP uh, in that contest. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then uh, a, pair, a, a pair of showdowns in the, what, Red River, Drew? Or no, the SSAC, yeah. the Southern States. You had a pair of showdowns between Loyola and Talladega. And unfortunately, the Talladega third time in two weeks. Third time in two weeks, and unfortunately, yes. third time was not the charm. It was not the charm for Talladega, as uh, both the men and women lost to Loyola. And so, uh, Drew, we'll kind of talk a little bit later, or maybe next week, about their chances of getting into the tournament, into the NAIA tournament. Talladega's men are probably in. Uh, what are your immediate thoughts on Talladega women? 
Tyler women are in also. Uh, you know, that's a two-bit league. And since both teams made it to the finals, they will they will be in. The question will be about seeding for both of them. Uh, and what where they travel to. You know, the NAI has gone away from everyone going to Kansas City to going to regional sites, then advancing to Kansas City. So we shall see with that. The question is, will Steelman get in? Steelman also lost to Loyola three times within the last two weeks. Uh, and Steelman would be officially considered a bubble team when it comes to the NAIA tournament. Their, uh, their RPI rating and uh, there's another rating that takes strength of schedule into it. I will tell you the name of that rating in just a moment as soon as I pull it up. But uh, Steelman would be a it's AR, it's called ARC, A-R-C. I don't know what ARC stands for. Don't ask me. But uh, Steelman has a decent, uh, has a very high ARC and uh, RPI. So they could possibly begin. But, you know, a lot of that is determined by if conference winners actually win their tournaments and you don't have any upsets that take a a seed away from uh, at large away from a team, then Steelman may possibly get in. Right, right, okay. So and, 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 and I, hold up, Brian. Ironically, one of the people we speaking to is one of the people that may wind up ultimately keeping Steelman out as Florida Memorial does not get into the tournament, except for the fact that they made it to the conference championship game. So I do expect there to be at least two other teams uh, coming from the Sun Conference. So, you know, that can't happen to still be too often in order for them to get in. A team like a Florida Memorial, more power to Florida Memorial. We want to support our IHPCs, but we want all of them to get in, not just, not just some of them. Yeah, Florida Memorial was a five seed. So, like you said, they knocked off the one seed. Uh, their final record of the regular season was 17 and 10. Uh, <clears throat> so that, that's kind of how Florida Memorial ended the season um, in, in the NAIA. And those other two conferences we mentioned, of course, the CIAA is Division II. So uh, Lincoln punched their ticket into the Division II tournament. Fayetteville State punched their ticket. Uh, one bit, it seems like. The CIAA is probably a one-bid league, Drew, Division II level, with any Correct. anticipation of anyone else getting in? No, I, I did take a look at the NCAA uh, rankings earlier today. Obviously, these rankings were before the tournament began last week in the CIAA. So based on last week's rankings, uh, the team that may be out who may, who would have been in is Virginia Union. Uh, Virginia Union came in at number nine going into the CIAA tournament. Uh, another bubble team to watch out for, Brian, that may get bumped by another HBCU is West Virginia State. West Virginia State was sitting number eight in that same region in the both both conferences uh, filter into the Atlantic region. So West Virginia State is going to have to have a good showing in their 
conference tournament in which they are the number two seed in order to maintain that uh, that bid. They, West Virginia State realistically needs to move up at least one spot to allow both institutions to get in uh, Fayetteville State and West Virginia State. West Virginia State is going to have to move up one spot. Right, right. Okay. Um, while we're talking basketball, before we get into our, our hot topic story that uh, I know you and I want to get on, uh, we got to make mention over in the SWAC as the, 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 the dominant, the dominant, the big story in the SWAC is probably that Jackson State's women were pushed to the brink of their first loss in conference play this year. Uh, they, they hung on to beat Texas Southern 87 to 86 on the road. Never easy to beat people on the road. As you saw yesterday in the men's college basketball where, what, seven top ten teams, or was it six? Some, something like, for the first time ever, all five, five of the top like Yes, for, for the first time ever, all five of the top five AP teams lost on the same day. And uh, combine those two with the number six and number nine team, who ironically are on the road, Drew. And I have yet to see what the what the parlay was on those top five or top six teams all losing. But somewhere I feel like somebody's walking around with a $5 ticket and might have just won close to half a million dollars. I'm just guessing. I don't know. I, I have to. I have to report back to you and see what those. Only if they took were. the money line, Brian. Only if they took the money yes. line. Yes. Only if you took the money line. But it makes you think. Uh, going, you know, when stuff like that happens, Drew. Little side note here. I always want to. I always want to think. You know, I have to pay attention to these things. When you see all of the top five or six teams all play on the road, I feel like you know what? Something crazy might just happen. And yeah, you might just want to sprinkle five dollars. You know, instead of going buying a bag of chips and a soda, you know, if you if you're able, put five dollars down and just see what you know what might happen, right? What the, the way it's going right now, Brian? I need that five dollars for my tank. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, gas over chips and soda over lottery ticket. I got it. Yeah, hey, I I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Uh, but yeah, Jackson State got the win. Amisha Williams Holiday. 29 points in the victory. I mean, by far and away, she's the conference player of the year. I don't even know why it's presumed or guessing. She is the player of the year. Uh, so the 15-game streak keeps rolling. There's only three games left in the SWAT. And uh, they've already Thursday clinched Saturday. a regular Yeah, they've already clinched a regular season title. So we kinda, we're kind of anticipating. It's just a matter of can Jackson State go perfect. You know, we and uh, we we talked a few weeks ago about their streak, and we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later uh, as we go. All right, more basketball a little bit later, but Drew, let's get into the hot topic here while we got some time left. Of course, the big story that's on everybody's minds as of late Friday was Grambling making the decision to hire. Or I should say the Grambling football staff making the decision to hire Art Bryles former disgraced Baylor coach uh, as the offensive coordinator. And so we can go from uh, a varying degree of angles with this, because I think when the story first got leaked out there was earlier in the week, right? Uh, there that was wasn't, last week. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't 
there was just kind of like a head scratching, like, really? You guys are considering Art Bryles? But there wasn't really a, a major media kerfuffle, so to speak. You know, the I guess we kind of assumed it was them feeling it out. Throw it out there, leak it out there, let people react to it. And if you get the instant, oh, hell no, you better not hire Art Bryles, then maybe you back off of it. But I don't think any of that ever happened. So... Uh, Coach Hugh Jackson in Grambling, Dr. Travion Scott, uh, the AD over at Grambling, made the decision to uh, bring in Bryles, and then uh, it hit the fan. So, Drew, what's your take on the hire by Grambling? Good, bad? Are we still waiting, and, and, and where do we go from this? What are your thoughts? I've got a couple of things. Number one, you hear that sound? That's, that's the silence from the people in Jackson, Mississippi, because somebody is finally talking about somebody but Jackson State when it comes to SWAC football. <laughs> <You know>? Right, <laughs> right. So I, I, this may be the first show that we've had this calendar year where Jackson State has not been in our A block. Now that I've got my customary yeah. Jackson State out of my mouth, yes. you know, it's, it's one of those things you, got, you just have to say it. Jackson State, Jackson yeah. State, Jackson State. Oh, <laughs> stop anyway. it. Stop it. Enough, 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 enough. <laughs> God help me. Please. See, got me choking over here. Yes. Because you said Jackson State too many times. Come on, now. <laughs> You're talking about Grambling. The G. No, but on, uh, but but seriously, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. When you look at this from a couple of angles, number one, Let's be real, everyone. Grambling leaked the Art Brile story on purpose to see what kind of reaction that they were going to get. So based on, and there's some media company out there who was collecting all this data, looking at all these stories and all the internet chats and Facebook and Twitters and everything else and doing some type of analysis. Somebody reported back to someone at Grambling and said, okay, we think we can deal with a media hit from this because they knew that it was going to be a media hit by hiring Art Bryles. That's number one. Right. Number two, it's not often that HBCU sports in general are in the A block of every sports show when news happens with HBCU sports. Every sports show that I watched on, what was it, Thursday, Brian? Wednesday, Thursday? Whichever uh, day this was. Thursday, Thursday night. Thursday, Thursday night is when it Thursday. came out. So, so every sports show that I watched, uh, Grambling was in the A block. From PTI to around the horn to the sports center to uh, 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 to Shannon and uh, to Shannon Sharp to whatever, this was in the A block. So, how, how they say, uh, you know, you just want to get your name out of media. News is, you know, news is good is good for for you no matter what. This is one of those instances where HBCU was the talk of the town in the A block of every sports show. And we know the A block is all the most important stories in, in, in any show. 
Mm-hmm. And then you got the Doug Williams reaction. And yeah. I'm gonna hold off on the Doug Williams reaction. The only well, me, thing that matters to the people that hold on, let me, let me get this, then we get back to Doug. The only thing that really matters to the people at the G are the can the can the board deal with the decision that they made, which we really haven't heard anything from the board, the president. Uh, outside the official statement, how do how do the uh, how do the donors partake this decision? Not the alumni, the donors. Yes, you're you're an alum. No matter where you go, your degree says Grambling State University, and there's nothing that you can do about it. And most of you, uh, most of you probably still have the student loans to back up that statement that you went to Grambling. I know I still have my student loans. Just back up the fact that I went to Florida A and M, so there's nothing that you can do to take my FAMU degree away from me. But uh, you know, those are the only people that really bad. And then those players in that locker room, those are really the only opinions that matter with this hire. Get back to Doug, uh, your, your Doug comments. Well, I was just going to read his comments while you mentioned it, um, and and this came out uh, from a Washington Post reporter. Uh, I might butcher his name, but it's uh, I'm, I'm looking. I saw first saw it on his Twitter feed. Uh, Nikki Jabavia Jabavla. Um, I, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, anyway, he's a Washington NFL reporter for the Post. He talked to Doug Williams about the hire. Uh, Williams said, "Quote: I'm not a fan at all. I'm very." Very disappointed in Grambling. I really am. I talked to the AD a couple times. They knew where I stood, but they did it, and that's what they want to do. That's fine. I'm out. Interesting comment. He continued and says, I know Shaq, uh, James Harris, James Shaq Harris, is not a fan, and I'm not a fan at all. I can't condone it myself. Asked if he would still support Grambling. Williams said, oh, no, I can't do that. No, no, no. If I support them, I condone it. Which the irony of all of that comes from a man who has worked for the Washington, now Commanders, formerly NFL team, formerly the Redskins, who are themselves sitting underneath a a scrutiny related to lawsuits heaped on the organization and its owner for a lawsuit in which two alleged women said that, quote, the Redskins had a sexist and misogynistic culture. I'm quote unquote in the lawsuit. I've never heard Doug Williams come out and give two comments worth a penny regarding the Washington football team. But now in this particular case related to his alma mater, and of course, we we talked about this earlier, Drew, Doug Williams right now is sitting as one of the two faces of black college football, is he not? Between him and, and Coach Prime. Right. He and Deion Sanders are probably, in terms of publicity-wise and people, when you think black college football, who's the name you think of? You probably think Coach Prime, and then you probably go to Doug Williams from a from an old-school alumni level, and he is the president of the Black College Football Hall of Fame, had a big impact on the HBCU Legacy Bowl. Uh, you know, he's sort of become that, uh, that, 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 that guy, right? And so it just brings up, why would you make those comments so strongly against Grambling 
when you yourself are employed by a company, an organization that has, you've had cheerleaders, you've had executives that have, they're filing lawsuits currently and you have an investigation happening currently. You know, there are people who want to throw Daniel Snyder out of the, out, out, out on the street, which is not going to happen. He removed himself, gave his wife the running power of the team, which really it means nothing because he's in the background running things still. So why would Doug Williams do this, Drew? Why, what's, the, what's the gain from Doug Williams coming out, making his comments the way he did? I know, I know what's the gain from him not making comments against the Washington Redskins. <laughs> what's that? And that's and the 15th and the 30th. <laughs> the 15th and the last. The fifteenth and the okay. last—that's what—that's the game. Mm, okay. And if, 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 if those who don't know what I'm talking about is—is is, that's payday. Ah, okay. Fifteenth and the last. All right. All right. So, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, Grambling, he gives money to Grambling, and he has all right to withhold well, money. Does he? From Grambling, hold up. Let me let me finish it. I was gonna say if. He's even giving money to Grambling. Now we know he lends his name, his name to Grambling. There's that, there's that new phrase, name, image, and likeness. We know he lends his name to Grambling, and Grambling profits from his name, image, okay. and likeness. Okay. Okay. And, and he then said, "Now he, he can rightly say, I no longer lend my name to Grambling." But when he goes out into the street, when he gets introduced at so and so and so and so, black college football hall of fame. Okay, he he's a former former he's former. Yep. For, wait, here we go. Former NFL quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Washington. What was the name of their team again? Redskins. Okay, former NFL quarterback for Super Bowl first black quarterback to win the Super MVP. Bowl. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl MVP. And he is a graduate of where? Grambling State, State or I think, uh, Grambling you, State University. You can't take that out the bio. So anytime somebody yeah. reads his bio, it's, go, it's going to be there. Everyone yeah. knows Doug Williams is Grambling State. Just like everyone knows Coach Prime is Florida State. Atlanta Falcons, Dallas Cowboys. Now we may we 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 may forget about the San Francisco gear or the uh, uh, Baltimore Ravens and and Washington Redskins. We may forget Reds. about those years. Yeah, right. It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, but but Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Falcons, that's in the bio. You can't take that out the bio. Right. So um, you know, we can go I, on and I, on I, about I, this topic, Brian. <laughs> Well, look, there's a couple things here that I think need to be brought up because as quickly. one of the things I found interesting, two things real quick. I, I thought I thought that it, hold on a second. How going on uh, the ads on these apps? All right. So you, I couldn't take I couldn't help but notice my instant thought when when Doug comments came out was that there were some Grambling alums who were like, who quickly pointed out the fact that, oh, hello, pot, calling, you know what I'm saying? It was like, here you are throwing throwing stones from a glass house. 
you know, noting where you work at. And you want to make comments about what Grambling's doing. You know, there were, there were several. The calling the kettle right? black? Yes, yes, yes. And so. Uh, in in, in that case, if, it's like we both in the fire. <laughs> I don't know if Grambling alums are looking at Doug like, oh, you can't, you can't, you can't call out this hire based on where you are employed at. You know what I'm saying? So it's like your your sheet's not clean. Uh, that was one thing. And then the second thing, I think you saw female journalists, especially the ESPN contingent of female journalists. I'm reading an article here from, or I saw an article from Adrian Adelson, who is an ESPN senior writer, covers college football, does a great job. I met her one time, does an outstanding job. These doggone ads, stop playing. Um, she makes note of puzzling comments by Dr. Travion Scott, in which he said the hire was, quote, rooted in fact, in the fact that he's he's defending the hire of Bryles, which, Drew, you just shared an article. That article you shared from 27 Sports that makes note, Bryles has been exonerated by not only the NCAA, the University of Baylor, you know what I'm saying? And he, while he doesn't uh, totally say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I recognize that there were some things that could have been done better. I'm probably at fault for some things. You know, and, 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 I, I won't get in trouble here, but anyway, he, there there are certain things that he brought up. Anyway, he was exonerated, in short, by all of those entities for what happened. So the question is, HBCUs, where we have given coaches and players second and third chances for violations of, of maybe common decency, common decorum, laws even, uh, is not an HBCU. <clears throat> is an HBCU not someplace where you can come to sort of reclaim or reestablish yourself amongst society if you are truly intent on doing that? And I, and I think that's what Bryles wants to do. Look, it's about winning games. And if he can help Grambling win ball games, which is what they seem to be invested in doing, uh, then that's what the hire is made for. <clears throat> you know, from he's not out. From O's perspective, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a smart hire from an X's and O's perspective. Purely X's it and is. O's, everyone. Now, Purely when, you X's talk about some of the, uh, when you talk about some of the other stuff, you have the right to question that. And you also have the right to question why he didn't go with a hot shot uh, coordinator or position coach and make him a coordinator. But I think you said it. the pressure at Grambling is to win now. And now the, the, he is, the last he is thing one of on the best true. out there who can do it. The last thing on this, there is still, <clears throat> you know, there's still that 11th or 12th hour as to whether this hire goes through. Um, I'm reading an article from the New Star in uh, the Louisiana area <clears throat> from third, uh, this would have been the 26th, which was Saturday, right? Yeah. It says, Gramley had yet to notify the University of Louisiana system that it intended to hire Bryles as of late Friday. Once that happens, Bryles will still need a majority vote from a 16-member board to finalize his hire and join first-year Tigers coach Hugh Jackson. The board's next meeting is April 28th. 
So between now and April 28th, the next month, the PR game will be strong. And I don't know to what degree. Yes. Two bucks on tomorrow. Uh, yeah, that is. To what degree can Bryles with the team? I, I you know, um, but I think that's what the next two months will be, and it'll be interesting to see. It'll be. I'm so tired of ESPN and their page. God bless it, uh, Brian. You you just answered one question that I had, which is why you haven't heard anything from the Grambling administration. And considering right. that board meeting is two months out, you just answered yep. that question for not only for myself and a lot of people as we get ready to go to break. Yep. Uh, final quote from the uh, uh, from the uh, president of external affairs and chief of staff for the University of Louisiana system. Quote, it's up to the board and our board takes things very seriously. They're not a rubber stamp board by any means. So um, there's no precedent within the last five years of a football coach's contract or term sheet being denied by the board. So this might be unprecedented territory. And, you know, whoever that mob is that goes after Gramley, Hugh Jackson, Dr. Scott, whoever they are, uh, if they're, if they're, if they're behind with, or I guess running with Doug Williams, it'll be interesting to kind of see, uh, what happens. All right, let's go to a break. Coming up on the other side of the break, we've got an interview, one of our two coaching interviews coming up on the other side, and uh, we'll get into a little more discussion uh, a little bit later in the show. You're watching a BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back right after these words. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the black college sports tell everybody network. they can follow their dreams nope nope you want him Ooh, i like him quick the quicker picker upper Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best black college baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for black baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. You see Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. 
Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. And we are back here on the BCS Ed Sports Wrap. Joining us here today is Coach Ansar Alameen from Florida Memorial University. Championship coach, Ansar Alameen. Uh, coach, you know, I got a chance to watch you guys last year. Did not get the opportunity to see any games uh, this year, but very familiar with you, the program, a lot of the kids who uh, came back. So uh, congratulations to uh, to all y'all. And y'all try to uh, spoil A.D. Horn down there. I mean, Look, he, he he was doing this when he was in the GCAC. Now he comes over to uh, Florida Memorial and the Sun Conference, and y'all got a point already. This man don't know how to how to react to a losing basketball season. So, just give us your reactions, there, Coach. Man, first off, you know, I mean, I'm I'm extremely excited, man. Our as you know, you you saw the struggles that our program had initially, and um, and this year we we made some changes and, and we got a new AD in and he was amazing. The, inf- the amount of information that he had and the things that he were able to share with us just to, to help us along the way through our process just from his 30 plus years of being in this um, being, in the, being in this business was amazing and, and um, I lean on him a lot with everything that we have going on especially now with the, the national tournament coming up but you're right you know and, and I told him I called him after the game I said we're the first team to get you a championship since you've been here so nobody could take that away from you yes sir yes sir so first reactions when you uh when you uh sit up there cutting down the debts I mean we don't we all know the struggle you know when coaches come in you 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 had that little whiteboard that you have at the beginning of the season we want to do this we want to win these games we want to do this but to actually accomplish it just t- tell, tell us about that feeling right there coach man it was um it was amazing the the feeling just is just like you said you know you you spend all this time talking about stuff you you tell people you know when you you're trying to win the press conference you say hey i'm gonna come in and we're gonna win championships and we're gonna win national championships and we're gonna do this and that but people really don't understand how hard it is you know it's extremely hard being a champion, have like the clip that you're showing, having the opportunity to cut down the nets. You know, that game we played yesterday, it was 118 to 115 in double overtime. You know, so we fought through everything and all we did was continue to believe and us continuing to believe helped us through the at, at the end. So it was um, it was amazing, but it was a really rough road to get there. Let's talk about it. 133 points in a collegiate basketball game, 50 minutes of basketball. If that doesn't tell me anything about your team, that tells me you've got a well-conditioned team to be able to not only to play double overtime, 
but to put up that many points and credit to your opponent of Marie of Maria who also played with you I mean double overtime and very easily could have went to a triple overtime yes so just just kind of talk about that as the game is going on and then regulation overtime so second overtime. okay so the end of regulation was uh the end of regulation was crazy because you know coaches is the what should you do as a coach should you foul should you not foul so they they made a decision to foul they were up three and they made a decision to foul not to give us an opportunity to shoot a three so my kid goes to the free throw line he looks over at me he said coach you want me to miss the second one i said yes i said but miss it towards brent you know brent was the guy that was on the opposite side uh was on the right side of him so he shoots the first one he makes it then i i i, I whispered to him i said don't step across the line because he tried it earlier in the year and he stepped across the line violation you know what i mean but this time he stepped up shot the first one made it shot the second one, missed it the guy didn't block block brent out blanket brent gets the offensive rebound put it back in we go to overtime right then in in overtime a similar situation they had an opportunity to win and and my kid corey benton comes down hits a deep three because they didn't want to foul because of what had just took place you know boom double overtime and then in, and in regulation you know at the end of the the second overtime one of my kids stepped up to the free throw line knocked down two free throws to put us up three and then we go 22 defense was just something to try to slow you down and and but i wasn't going to foul because here's my thoughts on it well if i attempt to foul what if he's shooting it he's in the motion now he's going to go to the free throw line and hit three free throws so it's it's it was a real life chess match and it was hard like you said both teams both teams played extremely hard and and you didn't want anybody to have to lose that game but someone had to yeah and the, the sun conference with probably the southern state conferences arguably a 1a and 1b when it comes to the the competition in those two conferences so i have to ask you this coach obviously you're in mm-hmm. Realistically, how many teams does your conference get into the tournament? We know you're a two team, you're a two bid lead. Do you get three? Do you get four? Talk to me. I think I could comfortably say that our our conference deserves four teams. And I just want you to think about this: the team that finished seventh in our league was six and three against the Southern States Conference. That team was seventh in our league. You know what I mean? So it's like. You know, Ave Maria would be the fourth team. Uh, Warner, they were co-champions of the league. Warner beat the number one team in the country. You know what I mean? So, I, I definitely think we should have four teams in the in the in the tournament. And it is it's going to be different than years past when our when our conference we went into the tournament and we were one and done. You know, we're all we've all been talking about this year. We get in this tournament. We're fighting not to be one and done. We're going to try to make Sweet 16, Elite 8s, Final 4s, and National Championships if we possibly can. But you're going to get the one thing you can bet. The one thing that Somebody call bet, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The one thing that you can bet is that we're going to fight. You know, all of the teams in our league, it's, it's like last night. It was, 
you know, it was a heavyweight fight, you know, I it, and it was an old school heavyweight fight where it was a 15 round heavyweight fight. It wasn't, you know, the 12 rounders. That was 15 rounds. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So we know uh, this year, they, they were originally going to do this last year with the, uh, with COVID. Uh, things were kind of jumbled up. They went with 48 teams instead of 64 teams, but one thing the NAIA has done is going to regional sites instead of every except everyone going to Kansas City now. So do you have a general idea of where you think you make land at? And what, do you like this format or would you just rather go ahead and go to Kansas City and get that full NAIA experience? Because that NAIA experience in Kansas City is probably like none other for NAIA programs. I'll be honest with you. I would love to get the experience. But, you know, the one thing about it, and, and we've been talking about it all morning, you know, where are the, the potential landing spots for us? You know, obviously, in our, if you look in our region, we have um, Talladega, which is in Alabama. We got uh, Faulkner, which is in Alabama. And we have Lakeland, Southeastern, which is in Lakeland, Florida. You know, the likelihood of them sending us to Lakeland, maybe not just because that would make it a second round or first round matchup between a conference opponent, and they probably don't want to do that. So we we honestly think that we'll end up in Alabama at either Faulkner or uh, Talladega. And the the interesting part about that is we played both of those teams already this year. So we would go and have an opportunity to play a team that we were familiar with. But, you know, I I don't know if it's the same circumstances because when we played both of those teams, it was early in the year, and we, we weren't playing how we're playing now. So we're a completely different team than the teams that showed up the first time there. Now, Coach, uh, because of the tournament and when the selections come out and then the travel after the selections come out, you're going to have we can have to almost two weeks of inactivity against live competition. So what do you do to stay sharp, to keep that momentum and, you know, to be to be ready I mean, we know you're going to be ready to play, but how do we stay sharp for these next two weeks? Well, to be completely honest with you, we're taking a a completely different approach. You know, we're giving our guys three, four days off to just rest their body, mentally regroup, and then come Thursday, Friday, we're going to hit the ground running again because we're a team that we practice really, really hard. You know, we don't don't really have light days. You know, we're, we're going at it full throttle. So because of that, we said, hey, man, let's let's let our kids get an opportunity to mentally regroup. And then once they mentally regroup, we'll be we'll we'll be ready to hit the ground running. So I think those few days off will be great for our our the young men in our program. All right, coach. So um, you've, you've achieved it. You've achieved your goal this year. Uh, Not yet. Building it. Well, you've achieved your, one, one of your goals this year. Yes. Sir. You've achieved yes, sir. One, one of your goals this year. So, what is what is the future for the program now? You, you your conference champion. Obviously, we want you to be national champion. But what does this leave for you as far as your program? As far as when you get into your recruiting and things of that nature, what does it say about your program going into the future? I think it puts everybody on notice that you know we're we're here and we're trying to make a a, a real stand and we're trying to we want to be one of the staple programs in the national tournament. You know, we want to be the one of the programs that every year, you know, uh, this team's going, that team's going, 
you know, Florida Memorial will be there because they're going to go out and they're going to they're going to recruit the the young men necessary to be great, you know. And I think that's the it's, it's just is you you talk about these things in recruiting, you talk about these things, you know, in your pressers, and and then when you start to accomplish them, people start to say, okay, well, you know, he's this is actually what he's doing, you know. So like you said, we we accomplished one goal, you know, we we accomplished one goal, but now it's like we're, we're right here. Let's go finish the job. All right. All right, Coach, we're getting ready to wrap this up. Uh, you got about a minute. The last minute of this interview is yours. Anything you want to get off your chest, anything you want to say to your fans, your your supporters, anything along those lines? I think anything that I would say would just be to, you know, fans who are, who are in the coaching but just coaches is um, – you know, being in these positions, being in these seats are, um, you know, is a really hard deal. And people look at coaches and they think, you know, oh, I can do that. And winning championships is easy. And it's not. You know, I look at the, the, the coaches in our league. We have a great league full of amazing coaches, you know, but someone had to be ninth. Someone had to be eighth. Someone had to be seventh. You know what I mean? And so on and so forth. And it's like, you know, outside people look at it and they don't understand how hard these is. You know, like I told, I was talking to somebody that's meant cutting down that net. Now, I, I, you understand why coaches cry. You understand why the emotion comes out because of, of the, the daunting task that you have. And you have so many people who don't believe in you. And, and I was telling my mother, I said, you know, one thing about me is I don't really need a whole bunch of people to believe in me because I believe in myself. If you want to believe in me, that's fine. But I believe in me so much, I know that I can do anything that I want to do. And and I want the young coaches out there, just keep believing in yourself. It doesn't matter what, what people are saying. And none of it matters. The only thing that matters is what you believe about yourself. Definitely, yeah, Coach. Definitely, definitely. And and I gotta get I gotta get one of these out here uh for you. One one of, I call him one of your greatest supporters, uh Will uh Marcelin Sincere. He's going to be playing the national anthem at the Miami Heat game on tomorrow. I saw this on his uh, Facebook page, so I, I definitely wanted to put this up. If you're in the Miami area, or I'm not, I'm pretty sure the game will be on uh, on cable or online somewhere. Go out and support uh, FMU alone. Will uh, says he'll be playing the national anthem at the uh, Miami Heat game. Hey, you got a date off. You might be able to get on over there to the arena, uh, Coach. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, uh, Coach Ansar Alameen, we, we appreciate you joining us here today on the Sports Wrap. And we want to invite you back next week. Once you uh, get yes, your announcements, we'll be doing a, uh announcement show like, uh, like we did last year so that, uh, you know, maybe you can tell us a little bit of something there about your uh, first round opponent. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, Coach Ansar Alameen, and we have Coach Washington from Lincoln, PA, coming up on the other side of this break. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be right back. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best Black College baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for Black Baseball's ultimate prize. 
Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. True Black Essentials is a retail opportunity to bring black businesses under one roof where every product on every shelf in every aisle will be black owned and black produced by people all over the world. Statistics show that the $1.3 trillion of spending power that we have as black people can easily be turned into each black person having $2 billion if we were to shop black for two years. So True Black Essentials will launch an e-commerce store on November 1st, 2020, but we will open up brick and mortar stores in Atlanta, New Orleans, Charlotte, Houston, and Jacksonville with the very first store opening in Atlanta, June 19, 2021. The top HBCU programs in the nation. All right, we're back here on the BCS Ed Sports Wrap. Now, joining us is Coach Janice Washington from the Lincoln Lady Lions in Pennsylvania. That's the original ALU, not the one in Missouri, <laughs> where I'm from, but the original ALU. Coach, how are you true. doing today? Orange and blue. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. And no, uh, thank you for joining for joining us uh, on on such short notice. But you know, when you win championships, you know you get these. All of a sudden, you get these media demands and everything. Now we've been watching you here on the sports wrap because we probably cover more small schools more than most of the HBCU shows. You know, they lean on the BAC and the SWAC. But we like to get the SIAC, CIAA, and GCAC. So, We coach, appreciate the love. Ch- championship. First year at Lake. Tell us how that had to feel, you know. And I, I, coach, I, I got to tell you something. Unfortunately, it's all downhill from here because it's like you, you can never get this feeling back from winning in your first year. You can win again, but it's, 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 it's down here as far as that feeling goes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, championships, um, when you win them, regardless of if you're a player or a coach, they feel they feel just as good as the last time you won one. Um, they're so hard to come by. 
and like coach uh, the previous coach was mentioning that you know there's so much that goes into it and you know somebody has to be seven or eight and you know the conference this season on the women's side and even i think to some extent on the men's side for ciaa play this season at any point in time if you didn't show up to play you could get beat by a team that was in the 12 spot or the 11 spot or the nine or eight spot if you didn't show up to play on any given night but the feeling is remarkable there's been um so much going on within the lincoln community over the last few weeks and within the month of february this win is definitely something that the community needed um just to uplift us for even if just a moment of time and now first year the ciaa tournament it was held in baltimore so how was baltimore as a host there are a lot of people out there who were wondering with the new coming from charlotte to baltimore how was baltimore as a host mm-hmm. i thought it was great you know and that's that's from a completely biased lincoln standpoint and mainly because <laughs> fan base in, we have a huge fan base we have a huge alumni base in baltimore and that dc area so you know a lot of times prior to um prior to the CIAA tournament being held in Baltimore. When it was in Charlotte, it was a little bit tougher for the families of those Lincoln players to travel to Charlotte um, to get the experience, to get the full CIAA experience if they were traveling on the weekends. But um, it's, it's, it's a question that I've been asked a lot about. I thought that um, the CIAA and the city of Baltimore did a really good job with regards to hosting the event. Um, and at the same time, you know, my experience with CIAA tournament is a little bit different than the experience that a spectator might have in terms of, you know, all of the extracurriculars. And so trying to maintain your team's focus in, in the midst of all of those things happening is something that we strive to do and give them the understanding that we are going to Baltimore for a business trip. And speaking of that business trip, tell us about that business trip. Once you start off with the uh, championship game, and then uh, okay. if if you can, because coaches have to have short memory, but if you go back to anything from the previous games that helped you uh, build for, uh, that confidence that you needed for that championship game. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the cha- even within the championship game, I'll, I'll, I'll have to preface it by saying, you know, only, only the in, internal to Lincoln folks know everything that happened over the course of this week. Um, I'll start with, you know, we were playing extremely shorthanded. I think we played the game with eight kids um, and one was not not fully cleared to play because of an ankle injury she suffered in Wednesday's game. And so uh, with all of the new testing protocols for COVID and things like that, we were um, down a few players uh, due to those protocols and safety measures that were put in place. But um, I thought our team got off to a very slow start in the championship game. but. We've done that in the past, and because we are a team that can roll off, uh, I mean, we've throughout the season, we've shown that we can roll off a bunch of points at once. And so getting down early is not something that I get too overwhelmed or too concerned with because we do tend to, you know, force a lot of turnovers and, you know, get the ball up the court and transition. And so uh, being down by, uh, I think it was eight to three at one point in time that we were down, and it just – required us to kind of settle into the game and get into a groove. But once we got into that groove, I don't think we ever gave up the lead again. And so being able to not just, you know, take the lead, but withstand punches that 
Elizabeth City State was growing, especially at the start of the second half. You know, we were up 10. They came out and hit two really quick threes. Uh, but then the rest of the quarter, they only scored six points. And so we were able to kind of hold them to 12 while at the same time we were struggling in that third quarter to score points, but then got it going again in the fourth quarter along with um, continuing to, you know, show a solid defensive front. Uh, defensively, I think we held them to maybe 52 points, I think it was, 52 points. And so uh, one of the things that we talked about all week was just keeping opponents under 60 points. And so if you can hold an opponent to that 50, that close around that 50 point mark, you, you give yourself a chance um, as long as you can do what you need to do on the offensive side of the ball. But um, Saturday was, you know, we, we closed it out the way that we should have in terms of just going out in the fourth quarter and leaving everything out there on the court. Um, but prior to that, like Friday, um, I think part of the reason we were able to run the way we were able to run on back-to-back -back days was because Friday's game, we were able to get out quick on Livingstone and do a good job of just rotating players in and out again. Um, on Friday, I think we had seven players. <laughs> um, but it may have been eight. Um, it was We haven't had more than eight players this week. And so just being able to go out and do what's necessary and do what your job is is something that we talked about all season long. But the game against Livingstone, we really wanted to come out strong because we didn't have a good first quarter in our game, uh, in our first round game against Winston. And so we wanted to make sure we came out strong against Livingstone, set the tone early, forced them into a lot of turnovers and understand that that game was going to be their third game in three days. And so they're going to be tired. You've had a day to rest, but they've had to play. And so what we need to do, you know, in spite of the limitation in terms of the limits on how many players we have, at the end of the day, only five keep five can be on the court anyway. And so whatever five we have on the court, you got to give it all to me um, so that we can do what's necessary to win. Um, the Winston game, we just we start a little shaky. Um, you could tell that they were nervous a little bit about the bright lights of the CIAA tournament. You know, it's one thing to win the regular season, uh, regular season, but it's a whole entire, uh, I mean, it's a whole other thing to go into the tournament atmosphere and understand that it's no longer about anything you did over the previous two months or, you know, the week in December and then January and February. The conference tournament has nothing to do with that. It's about who can put the best three games together. Um, sometimes, you know, for us, it was Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Sometimes it's three days in a row. But the tournament is never about, you know, your regular season. You can throw all of that out of the window, which is why you saw so many upsets um, as it pertains to the women's side of the brackets. And, you know, you always, always have to just be ready because, again, um, the way that the season went in the CIAA this season, um, anybody could lose if you don't show up and bring your, your A game with you. Now, coming into the CIAA tournament based on the last regional rankings, which came out on the 20th of February, you guys were number 10. Obviously, you get the automatic bid now by being conference champions. So you, you'll go up to a number eight, possibly, possibly a number seven, but realistically a number eight. Glenville State is the no, number one right now. I believe they're out of the Mountain East Conference, if I remember that correctly. Correct. Yeah. So 
which happens to be home to another HBCU, uh, West Virginia State. Just had to throw that in there. But uh, yeah. do, do you know anything about this potential opponent? Have you even started looking that far? Because, you know, even though it's about yeah. 10 days, it's about a week or so before you actually get your pairings. But I'm pretty sure you're, you're scouting one or two opponents that you may be playing already. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've actually, you know, had the opportunity to see Glenville State early on during the season. They played a lot of the PSAC opponents that we played. And so I've got, I actually got to see them in person as well as on film, uh, just watching film of some of our preseason, pre-conference season opponents. Um, Glenville State is a team that plays very helter-skelter style of basketball. They rotate in five players about every 30 and 40 seconds. And that was not a mistake. 30 to 40 seconds, they're going to be pressing. They're going to um, trap every single pass. And 40 seconds later, another group is going to rotate in at the, probably the next dead ball. Um, the group that's in, they're going to press, they'll pull for it. They're going to run, run, run. And then um, they're basically going to give everything they got within those 30, 40 seconds. And then another fire are going to come right in. And so um, watching them early on is pretty impressive to see. Um, I believe it was their third game of the season that I saw them play in person and just watching how quickly they're rotating in and you know communication is so key when there's mass substitutions like that because when you know players are rotating in and out it's one thing if it's two or three people it's it's certainly easy to say I have number 10 if there's only one person rotating in but when there's a constant shift and all of their players can handle the ball shoot the three sometimes the rotation of five is five guards you know sometimes the rotation only has one true post player in it and so um, so it's not the same five coming in and out every time is it oh it's, no it's, whichever it's, five she get the, yeah the last time i the last time i saw glimble state i think they had 13 um 13 dressed for that game and you know the first couple of quarters the five and five are the same but then in the second half, they were rotating in a couple of those other uh, three, the, a couple of those other players that were on the bench in those rotations. But it's a mass substitution every single time, and it's only gonna be, it's only gonna be like less than a minute. Like it's never more than a minute that those five kids are on the court at the same time. Wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've seen people, you know, play two, three minutes and five in, five out. You know, maybe even four yeah. minutes or something like that. But I've never seen it. So, it's as fresh. And I guess that you, when they say leaving on court, you might as well because you only go play for uh, thirty seconds. So you might as well go hard <laughs> as you can. So it, I understand this as a as a former coach. I understand the philosophy. Yeah. I just never had never had the talent to do it like that. But I understand the philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. I haven't pulled their stats um, for this season at this point, but I know that when I saw them play Westchester early on, they they only had a couple of people. And even midway through the season, there was only like one or two players that were averaging double figures, but there's about seven of them that average between eight and six. And so, um, you know, having that level of depth is important. Um and by then, uh, hopefully, we've gotten um, we've got a couple kids out on injuries, a couple kids out with COVID, um, and we'll be back up to our 12, uh, 11, 12 players that we typically roll with. And, and and that's what I was getting ready to get into. Uh, obviously, you've got a week before the pairings about 
10 days or so before you will uh, play again. So just like I asked Coach uh, Alamein, uh, how do you stay sharp during this time, especially when given your uh, circumstance where you're dealing with not only tired legs, but health issues at the same time, hamstrings, ankles, what, whatever the case is. How do, how do you stay healthy and stay sharp during this time? Well, you know, the biggest thing is just to get in, do refreshers. Um, you know, we're not at the stage of the season anymore where we're doing three-hour, two-hour long practices. We're on the court long enough to run through some things, get some shots up. At this point in time in the season, if they don't know the plays, then you know, there's not a whole lot you can do about that right now. Um, you know, just, you know, having them uh, constantly in the training room, getting recovery constantly on that game ready, um, constantly icing and things like that. And just reminding them that, yes, you know, school is in session. There's a lot going on on the campus. However, uh, recognizing what's most important in the moment is us um, doing what's necessary to be fully healthy and recharged by the time these uh, NCAA playoff games start. And honestly, I think that we've just got to be able to recognize what it is that we need to do. Um, the coaches will be prepared for whoever it is that we are going to face in those rounds and just making sure we're executing the game plan. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, we want to go out and compete. Like I understand, you know, Glenville State is undefeated. They've gone all the way through their conference um, season um, undefeated. But at the same time, you know, you play the game to play the game. And so, you know, we can't just chalk up the fact that, historically speaking, CIAA teams haven't consistently been doing well in that first round. But at the same time, you still got to play the game. And if you want to go win it, you got to do what's necessary, listening to the scouting reports, making sure you understand what it is that we're going to do and do your best to execute that. All right. Uh, last minute or so of the interview, Coach. So the floor is open. Anything you want to get out there? Uh, and just like uh, Coach Alamey, we'd love to invite you back next week once you find out who your uh, first-line opponent is and give us a couple of minutes of your time if you have time uh, next Sunday also. Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, I, I just want to say thank you to the Lincoln community. Thank you to Dr. Allen, our president, as well as Harry Stanton III, our athletic director, for, you know, believing in me to be able to lead these young people to a CIAA championship. Uh, one of the things that um, Harry and I speak about is just, you know, what this team w looks like and how my style works with the type of players that were on this team. And so I really think they executed that vision um, clearly. Um, they wanted it. Um, and that's one of the things that like, you can't discount how much players want to win. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited for the Lincoln community. I'm excited to see these brackets come out. Um, and just, you know, like um, like the previous coach was saying, you know, you just got to keep working and believing in yourself and just, continue to uplift these young people because at the end of the day as coaches that's what we are here for we're here to help bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be and you know i really enjoy um, and i've just been extremely blessed to be here for them um, throughout their struggles throughout their victories and just you know be somebody that can assist with their growth as young people 
And there you have it, Coach Janice Washington, the Lincoln Lions, Lincoln PA. How you do it? Right hand or left hand, Coach? Left right hand. hand. Right hand. Okay, right we'll make sure I get it right. Get it right for the camera. This is right not. This is not the. This is not this. This is not this. This is this for Lincoln. <laughs> right. All right, Coach. All right, Coach, uh, good good luck to you. We will be rooting for you in the national tournament. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, well, we all appreciate right there, it. Coach. Thank you so much for having me. All right, then. Appreciate you, Coach. And with that, we'll be right back. Coach Eric Jackson of the Russ College Bearcats coming up right after these messages. All right. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best Black College baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for Black Baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. 
Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best Black College baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for Black Baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Joining us now is the coach who has the freshest championship of the three coaches that I've talked to because he won that championship when it's been about uh, maybe about three hours there, Coach, since you won that championship. That's right. That's right. Uh, about three hours ago, Coach Eric Jans- Jackson of uh, the Rush College Bears. And despite what the graphic says, he is the Rush College women's basketball coach as the graphic there is is uh incorrect but irregardless uh coach jackson uh i did did not catch the final score i was watching the game uh i was watching the game online i saw you guys won by double digits what was that final score once again coach man i'm not sure i'm gonna say I won't, I don't remember i'm not even gonna lie it might have been like 70 to 48 something like that 70 to 50. Yeah, I know you guys were up by uh, three at the half, and then uh, you just opened up a can in the second half. So uh, just go through and tell us about the game. They were they were leading you guys most of the first half, and then like I said, you crawled back. You took the lead late in the second in the second quarter, and then that momentum came out of the locker room and just put a run on that just sealed the game for you guys. Uh, take us through the game. Um, well, you know, it was, it was just a hard-fought battle, you know, a tiebreaker, if you will, because um, they beat us last week in their place. And, um, you know, emotions flying, a lot on the line for both teams, all that good stuff. And, you know, it just got – it was just a defensive game at the beginning, you know, um, and their defense was was pretty good, you know, intense, uh, turned us over a couple of times and got in transition, which is definitely their strength. Um, we definitely wanted to play a half-court game with them and um, – you know, so they did a good job of that in the first half. Um, toward the end of the second half, um, we did a better job of taking care of the ball and got and crawled back with the lead. Um, and we made some adjustments in the second um, at halftime. And you know, my team did a great job of um, selling in on defense, 
um, made some shots, did a good job with the press, uh, which is their calling card. Uh, that 2-2-1 is, is, is tough to beat if you're not ready for it. And, um, you know, we did a great job of controlling the tempo. Um, my, my point guard, really, really good guard play, not necessarily on the stat sheet, but just, you know, in leadership and, and just controlling the pace. I'm really impressed with her. Now, your open round matchup was an interesting matchup. You played Ever mm-hmm. Waters, who had not played a conference game, but is still a member of the GCAC conference. While yeah. some of the cast of characters for the uh, Lady Tigers and Ever Waters are the same, obviously teams uh, change from year to year, and that was a that was a test for you guys. So, just tell us about how that was actually having to face them for the first time in a tournament setting. You know, win, win or go home setting. Um, that is that is a tough tough team, <laughs> no question about that. Um, senior led group. Um, and it, it's just, it's just, I was texting Coach Wilson earlier today, and that had like some real deal championship feel too, you know, um, just because we know that, um, they brought most of their studs back. Um, we brought most of our returners back from last year, and that game um, in the regular season last year went to overtime. So we knew, we both knew it was going to be a really good game, and, um, you know, we just did a good job of, of pulling it out. Um, but, but hats off to her as well and her club, man, a well coached team, senior led group. And uh, I, I know you guys like each other, but I'm pretty sure there's one tough opponent that you're happy that might be leaving, that's leaving the GCAC because you don't have to face them when it counts anymore. It'll just be friendly rivalry from now on when you guys <laughs> there you go. Coach Wilson-based team. But, uh, you know, GCAC, traditionally a one-bid league. Does and I want you to talk about your, your opponent that you beat today. Does Philander have a chance to get in along with you guys? Is their resume good enough to get in? Help them out. Um, Help them out in the community. No, I, I think I think so. I think so. Um, um, right now, I actually serve as the writer as well um, for our conference, um, and I'm also on the art committee uh, with the other regional arts, uh, regional writers in our region. Um, we talk about Philander a lot. I think. I mean, I think they have the resume. To be honest with you. Um, they have a top 25 win in beating us. Um, they beat two of the, t- the top two teams in the Red River. Um, and both of them are still in their, in their tournament championship. Um, you know, and, and they, um, they, they're, just, they're just that good. They got a 21 season. I think they have enough on their resume to be in a 64-team tournament bid. I, I really do. Um, and we're going to do everything we can do to make sure um, we push that. Now, you should have you should have never told me you was on that art committee. You, I'm glad you, I'm glad you can. Please help me understand what ARC is and what its purpose is, because I, I see it on the NAIA site all, all the time. Everybody knows what RPI is. ARC is something that's come mm-hmm. along over the last two to three years. So help us out, especially the layman. Uh, tell us about ARC and how it's used as far as when these selections come out. Um, well, ARC is, is the... Um it's basically the regional committee where you rank your region. So nine, so the national poll does your top five, top 25, and then you have maybe, you know, 10, maybe another 10 or 12 that's receiving votes. Um, but the reality is the top 24 team, I mean, the top 64 teams go to nationals. And so the, it's, the idea is the people that are in the arc get a chance to talk about what's going on in their region because you're going to need more than a top 25 
to determine the top 64. And the people that are closest to those teams um, can give you give the other Raiders and the selection committee a better insight in terms of how to rank team number 50 as opposed to 51 or those last four in and the next four out, so to speak. And so, um, and you kind of use different things. You use your arts, um, your arts, I mean, your conferences, RPI as a group, um, your conferences, strength of schedule as a group and all those different things. Um, but your entire body of work is valid, you know, and that's kind of going back, you know, for, for Lander, I think they have a, a really good body of work um, to, to get to get a bid there. Um, it's going to be close, um, but I think they've done enough. And, 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 um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of what the arc is. They kind of, when you get after the top 30 or so, and you get down and you're talking about splitting hairs, you got a team that's not really been receiving votes. How do you know that team is good? Well, the ARC is supposed to help you with that. And so we have an ARC ranking as well, just like with the top 25. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now that makes, that, 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 that really helps, uh, that, that really helps me out trying to, uh, Kind of figure it out. Uh, just last thing on this arc, what other conferences uh, are in the arc with the GCAC that you uh, have, to, have to help cover? Um, the Appalachian Conference, um, I think their best team is Bryan College out of Tennessee. Um, the Sun Conference, um, their best team is Southeastern, who I think is number one in the country. Um, Southern States, which is where Talladega transferred to, um, was still, man, I think Loyola's at the top of that um, conference. Yes. And um, I think that's it. I think that is those those four, those three or four. So, so that's Florida Memorial, Talladega, Steelman, and then and then mm-hmm. the uh, GCAC teams. For those who are uh, curious as to which HBCUs are uh, in, in that arc right. that he just uh, that he just covered. Yeah, so you, that's right. You that's pretty, right. Mm-hmm. pretty much got all the HBCUs except for the Red River HBCUs. You got a majority of that's them. correct. Uh, that's correct. In there. So, that, so that's that's good to know. Uh, now, this has been my standard question of the day for all of you tournament uh, winning coaches. How do you stay sharp over the next week? First of all, you got a week before you even know who you're going to play. So you, you can't mm-hmm. even game plan for an opponent because you don't know who that opponent is. Then you'll have right. another uh, – two, three, four days to actually prepare for an opponent. So how do you stay sharp uh, until you figure out who your opponent is? And then once you find out that opponent, how do you kick it back into gear to get ready for for a, another opponent? Um, I think the biggest thing is just getting healthy, um, you know, playing the 30-game season, um, getting healthy and staying healthy. Um, and I think that we're going to use this opportunity to really work on our um, 50 minute practices because when you get to regionals, that's all the time you have um, to go shoot on that rim, you know. So, and that kind of leads into my second point, which will probably be for me just shot making, free throws, layups, um, catch and shoot threes, shooting in your range, all those different types of things are really, really important. And those things, you're going to need to make shots no matter who you play. And probably, it's, especially if you play a team that may be smaller than you, or, you know, I mean, just being honest. You know, sometimes we make shots, sometimes we don't, you know. So when we make shots, we're a dangerous, dangerous team, you know. And so that's one of the things that we want to definitely work on is just shot making and staying injury free. Um, because I do think that we have our depth is one of our biggest strengths. Um, and, one, and that's something that we want to make sure we have on um, our full deck of cards when we go into regions. 
right. Uh, speaking of regionals, uh, I believe this started. Actually, they had planned to start at the year of COVID, but uh, everything got pushed back. Instead of everybody going to the one site, which is Sioux Falls, I believe it's Sioux, Sioux Falls, Iowa, I believe is where the women That's uh, correct. go. Uh, now they go to regional sites first before they go on to Sioux Falls. Do, do you like this new format where you go to regionals? Obviously, it cuts down on some travel. It should cut down on some travel. I'll say that. But do you like uh, that, or do you, did you like the full experience where everybody, all 64 teams in one city, playing ball together? Um, to be honest, I'm just glad we're going. <laughs> you know, because we got a chance to go um, two years ago when it was supposed to be in Billings, and that's when COVID showed its ugly head. Um, and then since then, we haven't had a chance to go. So I don't really have anything to, to compare this experience to. So this is the first thing, first time of me going. So um, I'm just glad we're going. And wherever we go, it's cool. No problem. So uh, one goal now, obviously, conference championship. Uh, hopefully hopefully you'll accomplish some of those other goals this season. But go, going into the offseason, what does this uh, conference championship mean to your program, to future recruiting? and uh, just the general atmosphere there at Russ College? Um, I think I think it makes it easy um, for myself as a coach uh, when you talk when you try to talk to a player and they say, hey, how did you guys do this year? You know, and it's kind of like a, well, I'm glad you asked type of situation. Um, because you See already- See this ring right here? I'll show it to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't always have, you don't have the D1 title. Um, you don't necessarily have the D1 facilities that go with that um, and all those different kinds of things. So when you're selling family, and a lot of times when you talk to those kids, they want that family atmosphere. You know, well, when you're, if you're selling that and you're selling a championship type of program, it kind of helps and makes it easy. And then for the regular student, you know, they want somebody, something they can cheer for, you know. And so now when our regular um, admissions team goes out and recruit, they can kind of use that as a recruiting tool as well. Like, hey, you're coming to a team that um, is used to winning. You're coming to a school that has a team that you can uh, you can kind of cheer for, so to speak. And I, and I use um, Steph Curry and Davidson as an example. You know, when Steph Curry left Davidson, you know, man, there was so many people trying to get in that school after he left that they had to build new dorms. You know, and, and all those people that's going to those new dorms are not playing the sport. They just want to cheer for a winner, you know, and I'm happy to be a part of that, you know. All right. All right, Coach Jackson, we're going to wind this interview down. So uh, I'd like to want to turn it over to you for the last minute or two. Anything that I did not ask you that you want to get out, anything you want to get off your chest, anybody who you need to thank, you know, the floor is yours right now, Coach Jackson. Okay. Well, well first and foremost, man, I want to give glory to God. Um, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is definitely the center of my life and the center of this team. So without him, none of this is possible, man. Um, just thank my family, um, my wife, Rashida. She's behind the scenes. She's my coach, so to speak. Um, thank our president, the entire administration team, man. They got a, the student activities team got a bus, a fan bus actually come down to the game, man. And it felt like a home game in there, man. It was just ridiculous. Three hours of driving, um, all the rustites that came out and all the ones that were watching online. Um, and then even the teachers, you know, that were working with us and uh, 
and help with uh, just getting them their work done and helping them get their work done and all that kind of stuff, man. So just thank the entire Rush College family. Um, and then thank you guys for all that you do with covering us and getting that, that exposure, man. We appreciate you guys as well. Well, we're going to be watching you guys, not only you, but all of our HBCUs that make it on to uh, to the national tournament, whether they're Division One, Division Two, or NAIA. We're going to be watching out for you uh, here on the Sports Wrap. And I, I'm going to leave an open invitation to you next week also, Coach. Once you find out your first-round opponent, we'd love to talk to you for a couple of minutes and, uh, and, and see just chop it up for a couple of minutes uh, next week as we have our uh, instant reaction show for – everyone as they get their first line opponents. Gotcha. Good deal. Just let me know and I'll be there. All right. We appreciate you, Coach Jackson. Uh, and we, we want to thank all these coaches for joining us here. But guess what? We actually have more sports wrap coming up. Brian will be joining me back after this, uh, after this commercial break, and we'll get back into all the news and happenings in HBCU sports. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be right back. There's a shot. shot no, that might be. It could, it could be. Right field. Grand slam. What a shot. That's how you get hot, young fella. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do and all you guys at BCSN. We really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best black college baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for black baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. I want you to get the vaccine because I want you to be safe. I don't want you to be a patient. I take care of you in the hospital. That's what I'm scared of. Can I hug you? Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Welcome back to the BCSM Sports Wrap. Ryan and AD here. Thank you for watching the show. Um, we appreciate uh, the interviews and the conversation with uh, with the coaches and uh, hopefully you you appreciate them as well. Go ahead and send those coaches a, 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 a an email. You know, check them out. Or I said an email. I'm old. How about now? Yes, everybody's doing it via Twitter and stuff. 
Yeah, and Instagram. You know, back in the day, you'd say, go ahead and send them an email. Now now it's like, who's checking email? Uh, anyway, but uh, we appreciate uh, the coaches for coming on and, and uh, uh, sharing uh, sharing the, uh, the their championship feelings with us and uh, reach out to them via their athletic pages on social media and let them know you appreciate them coming on and talking with us. Uh, we look forward to seeing how they do in the uh, Division Two and NAIA playoffs. All right, more news and notes that we want to kind of get through uh, as we talk about the, some of the basketball things going on. Uh, how about this story, Drew, coming out of South Carolina State, where uh, this story kind of dropped. <laughs> we talk about the Friday news dumps, right? Uh, how about Friday... Late Friday, uh, word comes out via news, and I'm reading from, um, uh, let's see, this is from WCBD uh, in Orangeburg, South Carolina. A day after that South sounds Carolina like, State. That sounds like oil, man, WCBD. Don't do it. Don't do it. I knew, look, I was trying to keep <laughs> going without, without stopping, but you, you just had to, you had to go there. Um, <laughs> South Carolina State women's basketball coach Audra Smith had filed a lawsuit alleging Title IX violations. Her employment was terminated a day later. Uh, Smith filed a class action and individual lawsuit on Wednesday alleging the university engaged in Title IX discrimination and retaliation and Equal Pay Act violations. Next week, you know, she's fired. It's like, whoa, really? You, you can do that. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, the lawsuit states that the university has discriminated against women in areas of education, athletics, and employment because of their sex. The complaint also states that the university has engaged in systemic unfair treatment of and continually provided fewer resources to female athletes, women's teams, and coaches. That That is a no-no this day and age. I don't know how you get away with that. For example, as the article continues to read, in the 2019-2020 year, men's team coaches made an average salary of $124,888, while the women's team coaches made an average. Drew, do you want to guess what the average was for the women? What was the man's number again? Because I, 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 I remember, but I don't remember. $124,000, if you do the... If if you do the standard seventy percent that they say women make of men's salary, that will put them around eighty five, maybe. Ooh, <clears throat> you're way high. Uh, an average of fifty three, one thirty one. Ooh, <laughs> wait, yes. and, and, and let's be real with that. You know, in that being salary, we know the football coach is the most. Uh, it, it makes more money than anyone else, so. I wonder if you factor out the football staff or the football coach, does do they even still get to that uh, 70%? Not saying that that 70% is good. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm just curious to see when you factor, when you take football out. Uh, okay, so football, you're talking about, you're talking about, so how about this? How about this? In addition, the article reads, that same year, only 36% of athletic financial aid was awarded to female athletes. Uh, Smith said that she was issued a three-game suspension 
earlier in the month for a relatively minor issue. I, that's always subjective. What is quote unquote relatively minor issue and believes the suspension was issued because of her inquiries into the school's practices. One day after the suit, <clears throat> the South Carolina State released a statement saying Smith's departure. I, I love this. We would like to thank Coach Smith for her dedication to our student athletes and for the hard work she has committed to the women's basketball game, period, end quote. Uh, that's all they really have to say about it. Uh, Smith and her four seasons with South Carolina State had an overall record of 24 and 73. Drew, uh, your your take, I, it's, it's a bad look, man. That, 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 the timing of everything is really bad, wouldn't you say? Look, if you wait two weeks and do this after the season, just given her record, you can, you can get away with this and buy yourself some time if you're South Carolina State. Just based on the record uh, that she's had as, as a head coach. Now, when you go behind the numbers and why does she have that abysmal of a record, that's when that stuff tends to come out. So, uh, but it's it's really interesting uh, with that, you know, this is something that in today's age, in today's society, you cannot, you just can't do it. And when you say 36%, you know, Title IX says you, for every dollar you spend on a man, you have to spend the same dollar on a, on a female. That's why you see, tend to see more female sports at universities than male sports. Because, it, 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 well, I mean, when you really sit and think about it, so a lot of teams, when they have to drop a sport, they drop a man sport first to stay in Title IX compliance. Yeah. I know you're mad. We're mad because our baseball teams have gotten dropped or other teams, but that's one of the reasons why those tend to be the first teams to go or men's tennis or men's golf. And you see them add women's bowling, women's golf, women's tennis, and, and, and those type sports is because of Title IX. It's not as simple as doing the popular sport or the revenue sport. If you receive federal funding, there are certain guidelines that you have to follow. Uh, of all of those, you know, we talked about the disparity in the coaching salaries. And you brought up a good point about uh, Coach uh, Buddy Pugh. <clears throat> Coach Buddy Pugh could very well be earning uh, quite a bit of money as maybe one of the campus's uh, highest paid employee, which oftentimes you have football coaches that are. Um, but the disparity there between the average uh, 53,000 is pretty bad. Um, but I, but I, I do agree with you. I think that, yeah, I think that 36% is worse. I think that is a worse number because that's student athletes not receiving, as you said, that's, that's, that's all what title nine is supposed to be about, uh, equality for men and women. And if that's not happening, that's a bad look. And, and look, the timing of the lawsuit Look, South Carolina State's women probably aren't going to make a long run in the MEAC tournament. So dropping this suit right before the end of the season should hopefully 
raise some questions for at least for at least one to two weeks uh, for South Carolina State. It should make some people, hopefully there'll be some media members out there that will ask the tough questions of South Carolina State administrators and other officials and say, what is going on? And are, are you all really discriminating against women as this alleged suit says? And, uh, you know, if, if some local folks don't do it, there'll definitely be some national media folks that will look into it because I think instead of firing the coach, you probably could have got away with maybe putting her on administrative leave as the transition as another school did, their coach. <laughs> we, you like that transition right there, Drew, right? You saw how it transitioned. Hard right turn. That, um, speaking, speaking of being put on administrative leave, uh, Lindsey Hunter of Mississippi Valley State was placed on leave at uh, Valley uh, back on uh, in the middle of the week with two weeks remaining in the season. Uh, Hunter's put on leave. He's in his third year with the Delta Devils. Uh, has a record of seven and seventy-two in three seasons. So I, I mean, that's bad. Uh, I don't know why. You know, it makes you wonder why wouldn't you just let him finish out the season? I mean, what? And, and that's curious. I, I have, this is a great question uh, for for Doctor Cavill, who he, he studies these things and sees the history and knows the history of the SWAC very well. We talked about this in football. It's unprecedented, really, how many guys, coaches, have been let go with weeks left on the end of the season, right? We saw that happen to, um, my goodness, who, who we, saw, we saw this happen to Grandma's We saw it happen coach. at, uh, yes, Southern. Fox. Uh, we uh, Southern. Uh, well, no, Southern. Southern didn't let their coach go Southern. before the end of the season. Yeah, they? Alabama State. Rob, Rob, oh, thank you, thank you. Alabama State. Yeah, Hill Ely was let. Doctor Hill Ely uh, was let go. Um, you know, three, four weeks before the end of the season, Fobbs was let go. These conferences weren't doing that. That that wasn't sort of the history of what these conferences were doing. And so now here's Mississippi Valley State on the basketball side doing what we saw done and hunter was you know we talked about this move of college or excuse me nba professionals coming to hbcus what was a uh, hunter the first or, or one of the first in this sort of three-year run that we've seen uh depends on whether who was first hunter or um uh, mo williams because they were right there together well, Hunter was before Mo Williams. Hunter was a year before okay. Mo Williams, I believe. Then you answered that question. Yeah. So, but anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens with his son, Caleb Hunter, who is uh, the second leading scorer on the team. He's just a sophomore. Uh, pretty good ball player from all accounts of what I've seen of some Valley games. Uh, some, I should, I, let me rephrase. Uh, some highlights that I've seen of Valley games. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've been the <laughs> <laughs> other, than the, other than the game in which they played FAMU, I, I don't think I watched any Valley games, maybe highlights. But from all reports, Caleb Hunter is a pretty good ball player. Uh, his recruitment might be open. He might be in the transfer portal in a couple weeks, just saying. So uh, You think you just fired my daddy? You think I'm going to hang around? 
Yeah, yeah, that might be a tough call. That might be a tough, uh, might be a tough, might be a tough decision. So, excuse me, you know, I'm means, sorry, you didn't fire my dad. You put him on administrative leave. If he does not come right. off of that he's leave, still, he's still, still, still technically employed. Employed. So let me let me let me retract my statement. Right, and, and unfortunately, without uh, Coach Hunter on the sideline this past weekend, Valley lost to. Uh, UAPB 93 to 79. Uh, so the losses continue. See, it didn't make a difference. So, I mean, you know, why did you let him go? But anyway, uh, move, moving over to the the swack as I make another hard transition to uh, some scores from Saturday. Uh, how about Bethune Cookman on the road taking out Southern, who formerly was tied in first place? How about Alcorn State on a buzzer beater? beating Prairie View 72 to 69. How about Texas Southern with an 81-66 win over Jackson State? How about FAMU 79-73 over Grambling State? Drew, the uh, the men's SWAT continues to be uh, the, the untold story, and I can't get the standings. As I look right now, the standings are are not available here on the SWAC page. But uh, instant reaction as I look uh, for those standings, which is from the SWAC men's. Uh, I saw this on, and I and I, and I can't find the uh, the post that I saw. Someone in that conference office intern or not is has to sit here and figure out all of these tiebreakers to determine who's going to get in and what combination of victories losses is going to get your team in and i have continued to say this and i'm if see me looking off to the side i'm trying to find the uh trying to find the post that i was looking for but uh you know, I continue to say that you do not want to be in the seventh or eighth spot with Jackson State and Prairie View, possibly. In in those. So let me uh, give you the standings as I see them from CBS Sports. As I said, I can't I can't pull them up on the SWAT uh, page, so I'm going to CBS Sports. Texas Southern sitting in first place right now, twelve and four. Uh, Alcorn sitting at 11 and four in second. Southern drops to third now, 10 and five. Just a half game ahead in the loss column of FAMU, who's now 10 and six. Big matchup on Monday against Southern. Big matchup right there. Somebody can move into FAMU, could move into third, dropping down to four potentially. Grambling now sits in the five spot at nine and six overall. Alabama A&M, two wins over 500 quietly. Alabama A&M, five, nine and seven right now. Don't uh, don't sleep on the uh, Bulldogs. And then the seven seed uh, currently, Prairie View A&M, eight. And then Jackson at six and nine with Bethune and Alabama State sitting a half a game behind Jackson State. And you know what? UAPB is who knows man i mean they could sneak in there and grab that eight spot they're sitting at five and eleven so i, I don't want to discount them uh because everybody named valley is in the race there you go there, 
<laughs> Everybody but Valley. You're, you're exactly dead right about that. Everybody but Valley still has a shot going into the final week of the uh, of the regular season. So, yikes. Some teams have three games to play. Some teams have two games left to play. And yes. I want to see how many times it's going to come down to that single matchup because it's not a true round robin in the SWAC anymore due to the number of teams. How many times that one matchup is going to determine seeding? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, very quickly, over in the in the MEAC, in the men's side, Norfolk State clinched a regular season. They are 19-6 and six overall, 10-2 and two, uh, in conference play. Howard's sitting right now at 8-4 and four in conference play. Uh, in North Carolina Central at seven and four, South Carolina State at seven and five. So that's your top four teams. Uh, nobody else is buffered in conference play. But uh, as you said, Norfolk State has clinched the uh, regular season in the MEAC. So they'll be the one seed going into the tournament um, for Norfolk State. Um, very quickly, Drew, the SIC tournament has been, the brackets have been released for the SIAC tournament. Um, as we, as I quickly try to mention what I see here, um, let's see, over on the men's side, well, let, let's do this. Let me, let me, let's take a break, come back, because we got to do our, we got to do our uh, rankings, and I will, I will go to the SIAC's website. I'll be a little bit better. Uh, on, on the other side of the break and give a better accounting of what's happening in the SIAC this week as who are who are the tournaments that are playing this week, Drew? We talked about that earlier. And who do we got? Red River is going on today as we speak. Um, Red River Athletic Conference. The Sooner Athletic Conference tournament is going on, but our team in the Sooner Athletic Conference is out of the tournament as Langston's men and women lost last week. SIAC begins uh, on tomorrow. SWAC and BAC going to their last week of the regular season. CIAA was completed on yesterday, and we still, uh, you know, we've had, we've had our interviews with, with that. Uh, CIAA uh, Southern States Athletic Conference was completed on last week, and the Sun Conference was completed on last week, and the GCAC is concluded today with the uh, with the All men's right. championship. As Russ has already won the women's championships. Okay, congratulations to yeah. Russ and uh, Coach Jackson getting it done. Um, so congratulations there. All right, let's take a break. Come back on the other side. We got our top five. Yes, it's tournament time, so it may, who knows what these standings will look like, but there's still an active top five uh, for our Division One, Division Two, and NAIA levels. We'll be back after these words. It's the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's, it's the, the pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready, because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame.
the top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best Black College baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for Black Baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean. Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get him. It just cleans better with a diamond weave texture your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. It's like a loot machine. All around town, people trying to get down. It's the show where we take you inside. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Want to thank you all for watching us. Uh, hopefully, you have hit that like button and that subscribe button already. And if you haven't shared the show, uh, there's plenty of opportunities to share it because this show you can watch later on YouTube or Facebook or also podcast on the BCSN Pod Zone. Everywhere you listen and download the podcast, hashtag BCSN Pod Zone. That's all you have to search for, and you can find our shows along with all the other shows on the Black College Sports Network. Okay, so last segment, I was very sloppy with the tournament. But I'm better now as I figured out, how come we can't get brackets, Drew? We love brackets. Everyone that, can't make a bracket. That's too much like what? right. And because of how some of these conferences do their tournaments, it would be it, it, it would be tough with this team, this team getting a bye and this team getting a bye and, you know. We're missing we our bracket contest. I keep wondering about this. Should we be trying to do bracket contests? I mean, does it make sense to do a conference tournament bracket contest? <laughs> it no, would make okay. sense. Probably. Yeah, you know, who knows? Would anybody play? It might just be you and me and and some and some bots. But anyway, all right. So <laughs> SIC, they start with the opening rounds on Monday, and all these games um are being in, being played in Rock Hill, South Carolina. 
tournament presented by TIAA held in the Rock Hill Sports and Event Center from the 28th of February to March 5th. Uh, 12 women team, 13 men's teams. Uh, all, if I saw this correctly, all the games, all 23 games will be broadcast exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. So, again, I got to admit, another major coup for Division II basketball, HBCU basketball, all the CIAA games were streamed. And, and all of I thought that was a great job. Congrats to the CIAA and everybody who brought that together. Uh, that was that was great to be able to to watch those games uh, in that capacity, and you'll get to do the same thing with the SIC. So uh, that's a win. It's a win for HBCUs. We just got to make sure we we uh, we watch. So anyway, uh, the the opening rounds begin on Monday. Uh, I'm not going to go through the teams. If you want to look at who's playing who. Uh, I would I would normally tell you to go to the SIC.com, but if you want a cleaner look, go to HBCUGameDay.com. Uh, they did a great job of giving you, uh, in a format that's easy to read, opening rounds, times, game, men, women, who they are. I mean, it's beautifully put together. So shout out to, uh, to uh, Steve uh, Gaither and uh, HBCU Game Day. For, for making it easy for us to to look at because if you go to the SIC site I couldn't make out two craps of what I was what I was looking at but anyway uh, just saying be better anyway opening rounds are day are Monday and Tuesday and I'm getting in trouble Drew so sometimes you just got to tell me to Brian keep moving keep moving because I'm gonna get in some trouble uh, the the quarterfinals begin the yeah I guess the the quarterfinals begin Wednesday. So the one seeds of the East and West earned a bye. And let's go with the number one seed in the East. On the women's side, that's Savannah State. They start at 12 noon on Wednesday um, against the winner of LeMoyne-Owen versus Fort Valley State. The number one seed on the West is Tuskegee. Drew, you're, you're you know, Golden Tiger, Lady Golden Tigers. Uh, clinched the one seed on the West. They play at 445. They play the winner of Clark Atlanta and Kentucky State. Over on the men's side, the number one seed of the West is Miles. Miles will take on the winner of Fort Valley State versus Kentucky State. That's a 215 game. And then Morehouse is the one seed of the East. Uh, they play at 7 p.m. They will take on the winner of Spring Hill versus Albany State. Uh, the other side of the quarterfinals is the two seeds. Uh, and the two seeds are on the women's side. You have Lane College representing the West. And you have Tess, nope, and uh, Benedict, the number two seed on the East. So you have Benedict. There's the two on the east, Lane on the west. I thought that was kind of interesting, Drew. We, we kind of talked about uh, where Miles women might finish, right? And I think Miles women, where did they finish? They finished as the three seed of the west. Yep. Uh, the two seed on the men's side, Benedict men are the two seed of the east, and Tuskegee men are the two side of the west. So... 
Um, the one seeds play Wednesday. The two seeds play Thursday. And then by the time you get to Friday, you get the semifinals of the men and women's. The championship games are Saturday at 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. So we look forward to kind of following along with the SIC. And again, go to hbcugameday.com. Great job of putting it easily together. 23 games, easy to pay attention to, easy to follow. Great track it where necessary. Drew, any final thoughts there? Watch out for my watch out for my golden Titans. Uh, think they're gonna get uh they get Savannah State the second time around. But one of the reasons that you need for a Tuskegee when we're talking about the women right now to get Savannah State the second time around is where Tuskegee comes in in the current rankings right now. And mm. looking at the rankings, now I had the page pulled up, give it about 15 seconds and I will have it at the South Regional rankings going into this uh, week. It's nine, six, six, eight. Savannah State sits at number six. So there's a chance that you could get two SIAC teams in in the women's bracket. Uh, the higher finisher between Tuskegee and Benedict has a good shot to get in. Savannah, uh, if assuming they win their opening round game, will probably get in also. So uh, let's root for two SIAC teams. I want Tuskegee to be one of those two SIAC teams. But let's sit here and root for two SIAC teams to get in. As there's, I doubt very seriously that we will get three SIAC teams in. Uh, the, the, and, uh, speak. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish up. I was going to say, speaking speaking of uh, Division Two rankings, uh, I'll go ahead and clean that up uh, for us. Uh, Lincoln out of the CIAA came into this week number 10. We know they are in by virtue of their CIAA championship. Let's also be on the lookout for West Virginia State, who is number nine in the Atlantic region, the same region with Lincoln. West Virginia State will need to get on a run at tournament and probably probably at least make it to the championship game to have a chance at getting into the uh, tournament. You mentioned West Virginia State. That's what I was doing uh, a second ago. I was trying to see where the... Um, the they, come, they come in as a number seven seed in the Mountain East on the women's side. They, they uh, kind of gotten on a losing streak here at the end of the season. The wrong time to get on a losing streak. As right. Okay. So, but the men this week, the men are the two seed heading into um, the tournament. Their first game will be in the quarterfinals on Friday, March fourth. Um, so they uh, this tournament for the Mountain East begins on Wednesday, March second, runs all the way through Sunday. So we'll kind of catch heat. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the West Virginia men do uh, very well. That team could very well find themselves in the mix for the tournament uh, as well. All right. Are we ready to do rankings, Drew? We got about 10 sure. minutes left here. We ready to do rankings? Let's get them in. Okay. Let's start with the division one top five rankings 
for week number, whatever week this is. Uh, games played through Sunday, February 27th. <clears throat> Division one men's. Let's start from five to one. Um, just uh, number five, Howard University coming in at number five, 12 and 11 overall record. Number four, dropping down to four, Southern University, 13 and 12. Uh, as mentioned, they've also dropped to number three in the conference standings. Alcorn State comes in at number three, 12 and 15 overall. They are the second, uh, number two in the SWAC. Texas Southern is number two. They are in first place in the SWAC now, uh, 14 and 11 overall. And then Norfolk State still sitting in the one spot, uh, having clinched a regular season of the um, uh, MIAC. MIAC. And just on the outside, you've got uh, North Carolina Central, South Carolina State, and FAMU all just outside of the top five. Should be noted, Alcorn State with the second toughest still among all ATU basketball programs. Prairie View with the toughest schedule, and we've already talked plenty about Prairie View is that team you want to watch for. Any instant reaction on the men's top five, Drew? When you talk, you talk about that Alcorn State schedule, let's remember, Alcorn State played not one, but two teams this season when they were the number one team in the nation, that being Baylor and that being Gonzaga. So... <laughs> That alone is why they have the number one schedule. Mm, good point. All right, top five on the women's side. Um, last week, I think we had four MEAC schools. One of those schools has dropped out. Uh, five now is Alabama A&M. 13 and 13. Uh, number five. Number four, Morgan State, 15 and seven overall. Coppin State at number three. 14 and 11, and then Howard sitting at number two spot at uh, 15 and 8 overall, and uh, Howard sitting in first place in the MEAC. Uh, and again, it's just a game separating Howard and, and Coppin and Norfolk State. It's all within a game, uh, one to two games of each other. So that, that race will be decided this week by those four. You already know who the number one team is. It's the baddest Tigers in the land. Uh, that state, the Lady Tigers are just bad. That's it. Moving on. Any thoughts, Drew? The race for two. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we have. We've got the race for number two right now. Basically. To the Division Two level, uh, men's top five. Let's go from five to one. Virginia Union, season comes to an end, 22 and several. Uh, finished uh, with the loss, two point, three point loss in the championship of the CIAA. Morehouse at number four. Morehouse with an opportunity to move up with a 20-6 and six record. They are the one seed, uh, one, east, one east in the SIC tournament. Benedict comes in with a 20-6 and six record. They are number three, just a little bit ahead of Morehouse. Uh, Miles comes in at number two. Uh, with a 22 and three record overall, and then Fayetteville State, Fayetteville State, with a uh, Fayetteville State sitting at number one in the men's bracket right now, 21 and eight overall after winning the CIAA. 
Uh, it'll be interesting, Drew, how much that could change based on what Miles and Benedict does or more how SIC. Look, just looking at the numbers, Brian, Miles with the SIC championship will move ahead of Fayetteville State. Miles may even move ahead of Fayetteville State with the SIAC finals appearance, where Benedict and Morehouse would definitely have to win the uh, the SIAC in order to take that number one ranking. And West Virginia State will probably bump Virginia Union out once they uh, if with them picking up a win in the uh, Mountain East tournament. Yeah, and it should be noted, Fayetteville State, third toughest strength of schedule among HBCUs and Division II level. So, uh, and then there's that. All right, Division II, women, top five. Uh, in the five spot is West Virginia State, 17 and 10 overall. Um, they West Virginia State has a top five strength of schedule, number four, actually. Benedict comes in at number four, 20 and seven overall. Of course, they get started in the SIAC tournament this upcoming week. Tuskegee comes in at number three, 21 and four, SIAC starting the CIAA champions, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Lady Lions coming in 22 and seven. They are currently sitting at number two, uh, clearly uh, outpacing everybody at Savannah State at number one. Um, I don't, it'll be interesting. I think Tuskegee getting to the finals might pass Lincoln Drew based on numbers. I don't, the question is if Tuskegee were to beat Savannah State, let's just theoretically say if they were to beat them when they played them in the tournament, could Tuskegee or maybe even Benedict? surpass Savannah State at number one. It's going to be interesting to see what the computers do with that. Uh, and then, of course, you've got their public argument uh, to go along with it. But didn't we just have this debate uh, earlier this year, Brian, in this sport called football, where okay. a team that was not in the, you know, mathematically, according to our computers, could not get ahead of a head of another team, so their rankings, their rankings, they're, they're out there for conversation. They're out well, there for conversations that you know. So it's going to be interesting to see how the computer, uh, how the computer says that's going to come out. And I already know assistant coach White will will probably be texting me like, "Y'all computer is jacked up if they don't jump ahead of Savannah <laughs> and they beat Savannah." Now, I tell you what would help what would help Tuskegee though, if Savannah were to lose their opening matchup, that would help Tuskegee get there. All right. Well, that's something to take note of. All right. Moving over to NAIA, our last two polls of the men first, top five in the men. Uh we have right now uh, and if I'm not mistaken, you said this could change, Drew, if I heard you correctly. Right now no. we have Tougaloo. No, 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 this is solid. It didn't. Yeah, this is okay. Solid. So it won't change. So stuck at the number five spot on the men's side is Tougaloo, uh, with a record of eighteen and eight. They are locked into the five. The four could change because it's Stillman. Right now, we're just waiting to see whether Stillman gets an opportunity to continue their season or not via an at-large bid into the uh, NEIA tournament. 
They come in at 19 and eight. Xavier, uh, Louisiana, locked into the three spot, 21 and five. That, uh, that could change. Is their though. season over? That, I was going to no, say, Xavier, they, they've got plays. Xavier still, Xavier still playing. Xavier plays today. That could change okay. after the result of the Xavier game, which was not which was not entered into the computers in time for us to be able to get that out for today. But a Xavier loss okay. in the first round would allow Steelman to actually go up to number three. You know, these rankings will become official after all the games are in today, but we had to, we had to get them up for right now. Purposes. Right, right. Two is Paul Quinn. Uh, essentially, their season is over as they are unable to play in the Red River. But what an amazing season. Uh, it just sets them up for what's going to be a season next year. Lots will be on Paul Quinn when they can actually participate in the tournament and in the play, uh, in, in, uh, in the playoff scenario. And then, of course, still Talladega, despite the loss in the championship game, they're number one, 27-5 overall. Uh, only three losses – I mean, three of the five losses came to Loyola, who's like the number one team in the country, number two at least. And so uh, that's a very good season. And they – look, Talladega will have an opportunity, I think, to get to that uh, to that Sweet 16 uh, on the NAIA level. The question is, what seeding and how far will they get sent in the, uh, in the tournament, right? Correct. And Florida that, Memorial that was true. just – Florida Memorial was just on the outside of the top five. And who knows, Drew? I mean, if Florida Memorial gets in the NAIA and gets a win or two, I could necessarily, they could probably move into the top five, right? Very easily. Very easily. Especially Steelman does not advance. Mm, and Steelman's okay. season comes to an end. That would be the one team that I would see uh, – uh, dropping out if Florida Memorial were to get a win or two in the national tournament. Okay, here we go. Closing up the show with the NAIA women's uh, top five, five to one. Florida Memorial comes in at five. Xavier women come in at four, 18 and six. Um, are Xavier women, they still in the tournament? Yes, they won today. So that that, okay. that, is, that is updated, yes. Okay, Talladega drops to number three. Um, after losing in the championship game, uh, but they still their season still continues. The Lander Smith season uh, technically is over after losing. Well, we think their season not, is over. May not be. They, they, I guarantee you, they're going to continue to practice and wait until the final uh, might get in that large. Bracket, bracket comes out. Yeah, they might. They, right. They're. They don't have the strongest case, but they are essentially a team on the bubble once again. Now you pointed out that if, I, if your statistics are correct, you've got them with the toughest strength of schedule in HBCU among all HBCU. So maybe that is something that is up for consideration given their uh, given their record and their strength of schedule. That might get that might get them in at, at large bid. We we shall see. I mean, it's go, it's going right. to be interesting uh, how how that's going yeah. to work for them. Number one is Rust. Congratulations again on winning the uh, GC Coach Jackson. Finally getting it done. That, I know the last couple of years, Rust had some very strong teams, and they just had some unfortunate 
early exits in the uh, GCAC, but uh, they finally they persevered through defeating Philander Smith on their own home court. So I know that's had to be sweet for uh, Coach Jackson and the Lady Bearcats. Uh, we look forward to seeing what kind of damage they do in the NAIA tournament. All right, Drew, uh, we talked about possibly getting together and doing something because we did not touch a hair of baseball or softball. Um, we may do something tomorrow, maybe, maybe. We, we're we're going to shoot for it. So make sure you right. make sure you like and subscribe. That way you can see if we if we do this tomorrow and if we do it tomorrow, Michael Coker has agreed to join us for this baseball for the baseball portion of this show. There you go. That'll be good. Always love talking to Mike and uh, got to get caught up on baseball because we got a lot to talk about there and softball. So baseball and softball. Oh, it's busy, busy this time of year, but I love it. Love it. Um, Drew, that's going to do it. Let's get out of here, man. It's been a long show. Uh, appreciate Let's you. Let's pick up the show and get out of here. Exactly. Pick up. If you have any thoughts and comments, send us a note at mybcsn1. You can hit us up individually on Twitter. You can find me at drb365. You can hit Drew at bcsn. Drew, let us know your thoughts. Uh, more, more, as I'm sure, will be coming out regarding Grambling regarding South Carolina State, Mississippi Valley State. We want to hear your thoughts, so feel free to uh, share them with us, and uh, we'll try to uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them uh, maybe on one of the upcoming shows, all right? So that's going to do it for this show. For my partner, A.D. Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. Thank you guys out there watching the BCSN – I don't even know what – my goodness. The Sports Wrap, the BCSN <laughs> – I, I mean, we, we do so many here. shows. We, we, we don't know what it is. Stop it. I'm uh, trying to get out of here. BCS have a safe flight home, my brother. Thank <laughs> you. I'll see you soon from my home studio in Orlando, Florida. Uh, that's going to do it. You guys be safe. Peace. All right. We'll holler. But, you know, my